Hi guys, and welcome back to Tales from Mysteria Lane. I'm Joel. I'm Billy Ray. And you are listening to the podcast where we give you a fair view of all things Desperate Housewives. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 17, Could I Leave You? <laughs> so as um, the usual process is, we will alternate it. So today I am doing the breakdown of the episode. And, and I am doing the trivia. And B is doing the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be very excited about that. So excited he's cutting me off. I've got a lot of trivia. Oh, good. Do you have anything to get started? I do. So this is the 40th episode of Desperate Housewives, and therefore the 40th episode of our podcast, Season 2, Episode 17, Could I Leave You?, which aired on March the 26th, 2006. It was written by Scott Sanford Tobis and directed by Pam Thomas. The episode title, Could I Leave You?, is sung by Phyllis Rogers Stone in the Stephen Sondheim musical Follies. And we have some different international titles. The French title translates to Broken Bonds, the German title to Separations, as well as the Hungarian and Polish. And the Italian title remains the same as ours, Could I Leave You? There is a Turkish remake of Desperate Housewives called Amatsas Ev Kadinlari, which started in 2011. It has three seasons and 154 episodes. 154 episodes in three seasons? Yeah. That's... 50 episodes a season, pretty much. That's like 51 episodes a season, yeah. on average. That is crazy. I don't know if I could watch 50 episodes in one season. That just sounds like a soap opera, you know? Like, it's always on. Like, it con- it's just constantly going, like EastEnders or Corrie. This episode guest stars a couple of people, one of which is Nicole Hiltz, who plays Libby, the pregnant girl. She's been in a few crime dramas, such as CSI, The Shield, Cold Case, and NYPD Blue, as well as playing Diana in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer called Seen Red, Season 6, Episode 19. Okay, we're going to have to keep an eye out for her when we get to that. She's also had a few small roles in films, such as Dude Where's My Car, where she played Alien Jumpsuit Chick number two. <laughs> <laughs> number one credit! Shallow Hell, where she played Nightclub Girl number two. Always, <laughs> always number two. Always number two! And Austin Powers Gold Member, where she played French teacher. Number two. <laughs> Always number two and never the bride, Libby. <laughs> no, no, no. Just French teacher and Austin Powers Gold Member. <laughs> this episode also guest stars Christine Bois Van Stratton. I'm really sorry if I mispronounced that. And she plays Veronica, who is the breastfeeder. She is an American actress of German descent, and she has over 50 credited acting roles in TV, as well as about 17 or more on time of recording in film. And she was also in the music video for the song Gotten by Slash, featuring Adam Levine, where she played Joanna's mother. She's been in TV shows such as Everybody Loves Raymond, where she played Lisa in the episode The Car, Two and a Half Men, where she played Laura in the pilot episode, and Once Upon a Time, where she played Maleficent. <gasps> I knew I recognised her! When I was looking at it, she was so familiar, and I, I knew it, I knew it. Oh, she's so good. I knew that'd get you. Joel was saying when we were watching it that he recognised her. I was and... sat there like, I recognise her, and it's really going to bug me. <laughs> yeah, the minute I read it, I was like, there you go. <laughs> also, both of these guest stars, they both featured in Bones and CSI. Whether they were together in those episodes, I don't know. I didn't research that in-depthly, but they were both on those same shows, as well as this one. Hmm. Other than that, I have more trivia in the episode. Okay, so let's get started. Previously on Desperate Housewives. After Helen Rowland stops their honest attempt, Gabby and Carlos find other methods to adopt a baby. Under the influence of surgery drugs, Susan tells Dr. Ron that she loves Mike, and Bree starts attending AA meetings in the hopes of fooling everyone into thinking she is no longer drinking. Mm. <laughs> Even though she is completely still drinking. 
100%. So, uh, the episode actually starts with Mary Alice telling us the, the blatant obvious, which is that Gabby is a demanding shopper. Uh, the girl, basically, the girl knows what she wants, and if that ain't it, she gonna tell you. Um, however, today was the biggest purchase of her life, and this is when they open the door to meet the biological mother of the baby they are interested in adopting. So Gabby is instantly put off by day player bio mum and takes Carlos aside to tell him that they can't accept this woman's baby as Gabby wants a pretty baby. Carlos doesn't care and he won't let Gabby's shallow obsession with looks screw this up and they continue the meeting and Deanna's way of eating chips and guac seems to be a real turn off for Carlos who suddenly changes his tune and they send her on her merry way. Yeah, I mean, who licks the dip off of crisps? Oh, I was looking, I was paying attention to Gabby's face, and she was horrified at how she was just, like, licking... It, uh, it made me feel sick. She was just licking the guacamole off of these tortilla chips. Disgusting. It was absolutely vile. It was really disgusting. And Carlos says that, but Gabby clearly got into his head. You can tell by his facial expression the minute that she says, well, we have to cuddle up to it for the next 18 years, and then walks away, and then yeah. his face drops. Yeah, Carlos Carlos is very easily swayed. Very easily this swayed. Sort of stuff. I just want to point out her line, plain I can handle, Carlos. Since that woman has walked into our house, the clocks have stopped working. <laughs> I, got the, I always got the idea that Gabby didn't want Deanna's baby because Deanna was, let's call a spade a spade, hideous. But then when she uses the word plain, to me, plain doesn't mean ugly. Plain means boring. That's what I was going to say. Why does Carlos think that plain describes her? Yeah. Plain does not describe the bridge troll. No. Plain is plain. Plain is Jane. Plain is plain Jane. So, like, she's just Rebecca. Do you know what I mean? Like, just, like, a plain, boring girl. So, when Carlos is like, are you trying to say you don't want Deanna's baby because she's plain? I'm like, no, Gabby's clearly trying to say she doesn't want Deanna's baby because she's a mess. She doesn't want Diana's baby or Deanna because Diana is the bridge troll. Yeah. Which is fair enough. She doesn't want Mm. troll babies. Exactly. But... Is that founded? I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we will find out. So we have the full title sequence. Full? It's a completely full title sequence. Obviously, this is a shorter episode. And we cut to Susan. Mary Alice, first of all, rubs it in everyone's faces that Deanna actually gave birth the very next day to a fairly attractive baby boy. (laughs) Yeah, she gives birth to a beautiful baby anyway. She she gives birth (laughs) to what will grow up to be an attractive boy. So suck on that, Gabby. Correct. In that very same hospital, Dr. Ron visits a recovering Susan for the first time since her surgery to ask her who Mike is. Susan does classic Susan and claims that she doesn't know a Mike, eventually convincing Dr. Ron of this. However, he ain't done, and he asks her who she's married to, and Susan eventually comes clean for the whole insurance fraud, telling Dr. Ron about eating the entire thing, and inviting Dr. Ron to come to dinner so he can meet Carl, promising Dr. Ron that they will be divorcing once she is recovered. (laughs) You committed insurance fraud? Only in the legal sense. (laughs) Like, Susan, just... I mean, I know you have to come out and say it, what I don't get is in the previous episode, she's already talking to Lynette about how she, she's going to have to break up with Dr. Ron. She's not quite sure. She doesn't feel like, you know, she feels the same things as Dr. Ron feels. And then it looks like she's grabbing onto Dr. Ron with her bare hands and lying to try and keep this relationship going as much as possible. And I'm like, girl, what do you want? Even though this was a prime opportunity to just yeah. take the ball and roll with it. He was breaking up with you. Problem sorted. Exactly. You could have been like, oh, yeah, I, I, Mike is my ex-boyfriend. And then you would have, he would have been angry or upset with you and you would have just taken your lumps and got on with it. And there you go. No relationship. It's done. You don't have to worry about breaking up with him. I know. She wanted to break up with him, but he broke up with her and then she kept it going. What are you doing, girl? Yeah, I know. Absolute mess. Also, 
She, in this wheelchair, is bumping into everything she can see, and I have, I've just got to play the sting. <laughs> Clumsy Susan. Clumsy it, Susan it, sting. Clumsy Susan sting, but surely if she's slipping around in the wheelchair, would it make that same sound? <laughs> <laughs> and that is not the only time that that sting's going to be played this episode. No, honestly, this is a classic Clumsy Susan episode, and even in a wheelchair, she just, she has no depth perception. No, it's... Oh, it's brilliant. But actually, I guess it's kind of harder in a wheelchair to have depth <laughs> perception when you're so used to just having the tiny the tiny stick figure frame that Terry Hatcher has. Well, yeah, she's extended by like 50 centimetres either side. Yeah, so I guess it's probably a lot harder. Mm. Bree is at AA listening to all the miserable stories that the alcoholics have. And at the end of the meeting, she's helping clean up and we meet Peter, who, after just one question, knows instantly that Bree is drinking. Yeah. She comes clean to this stranger of the whole situation with Andrew and that she doesn't really need to change because she isn't an alky. Peter gives Bree his card, though, telling her to give him a call if she ever finds herself in trouble. <laughs> and she brought her knitting kit to AA. She's just sitting there doing, like, croquet or something. Croquet? Crochet. <laughs> croquet? Croquet is the game with the bat and the ball, you know, headless. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's just sitting there making little, like, cross-stitches and yeah. stuff while everyone's talking about their problems. Yeah, she, she don't, girl don't care. She's just there to be seen and be done with it. Who's next? Uh, Brie? Oh, I couldn't possibly top that. <laughs> I can't though. possibly top that one. <laughs> it's not a competition. You're not trying to outdo each other. Mm. <laughs> Even though she could top that. She could totally top that. Well, not yet. Oh, no, she could top that. I accidentally poisoned my husband with onions. He died. Not because I poisoned him with onions, because the pharmacist killed him, who I then dated. And then I watched him die. Mm. She could top the other guy. She t- true, true, that is true. She could top him, for sure. <laughs> Um, this, I'm sorry, I'm going to be reciting a lot of lines in from this episode, probably. No, that's not a problem. This has, this is a solid episode. It's got some great humorous quotes that we can use. So, mm. uh, yeah, so this is where we first meet Peter, by the way. This is our first introduction with Peter, who is very sweet. Oh, yeah, that, sh- sweet. that shouldn't go unmentioned because Peter is a recurring character. Mm-hmm. He um he seems to have some like Bree seems to instantly connect with him because she just sort of tells him everything. Yeah, well right. he's kind of hot. He is actually he is. <laughs> I I wouldn't kick him out of bed. I'd say hey to Peter. <laughs> but yeah, Bree seems to have some instant connection with him. She's on this episode should have just been called you know straight up honest or something because every single character in this episode just seems to give in and just be honest or something along those lines. Confessions. So oh that would have been a good episode title. So, Lynette is interviewing a young woman, Veronica, trying to convince her to leave her company and join P&M. Played by Kristen Boa Van Stratton. Yes, and P&M, Parcher and Murphy, I'm just hyphenating it. The I face think? of innovation. <laughs> that's that's, their, um, that's slogan. their slogan. That's their slogan. I noticed it in the background. Veronica just keeps stuffing her face with them donuts until Lynette finally asks her what her secret is to staying skinny. Apparently, it's the breastfeeding. Apparently the breastfeeding burns calories. Apparently it does. And it leads Lynette to tell Veronica of another perk of P&M, which is their daycare. After some convincing from Lynette that the people here wouldn't say a word about the breastfeeding, Veronica is in. Yeah, like who cares about breastfeeding? It's a new world. Right. Oh, and she's also like, whose kids are they? Right, so Veronica, let's keep this in mind, listeners. Veronica is judgy towards the other kids. Well, towards the Scarborough kids in particular. Yeah, but she doesn't know they're Lynette's kids. All the kids are playing, but the Scarborough boys are just trashing the place. And she's being judgy towards them. That that should not go unnoticed. Mm. Whose kids are they? I have no idea. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Lynette being classic parent in this moment. I don't know. I don't know her. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, so, Lynette, in this episode, discusses some of the perks of Parcher and Murphy. Uh, pay being not one of them. Apparently, Veronica's like, the pay sucks. Lynette agrees with this. So, the pay at Parcher and Murphy is clearly not that great. But some of the perks include, um, especially parking space, corner office. How is that a perk? I don't know. Maybe people don't like to be in between things. I mean, people probably tend not to like being in a middle office, but surely that shouldn't constitute a perk. Oh, if you come work with us, you get the corner office. I did find it a bit odd that the pay is considered bad. But then again, America. I think a lot of places would rather have better perks than than slightly less pay than more pay and less perks. Just for a better balance. I don't know. I think I would rather have more pay. Perks can be a good thing. They can really help balance happiness with your work life. Mm. I also find it interesting that Lynette didn't in, like instantly say daycare is one of the perks listed anyway, because yeah, she had no idea that Veronica's a mum, but that clearly shows you've got no idea who's a parent, Lynette. So don't just sort of think, are they a parent? Oh, if not, I won't mention daycare. Maybe she's worried that if she's not a parent, it'll put her off. Oh, maybe. But why Kids in the office. Oh, I mean, yeah, well, we me. have had that. Yeah, that was me. We have had that discussion. <laughs> so Gabby and Carlos are flicking through a pamphlet of ugly woman after ugly woman. Mr. Beale doesn't think it's very easy to find a pretty girl willing to give up her baby to a felon. And we have a little clip of this scene. <laughs> yeah, a little clip of the sort of attitude war. These can't be our only choices, Mr. Beale. I mean, come on. Each girl is uglier than the next. Look. Finding a gorgeous pregnant woman who's willing to give her baby to a couple with a criminal record isn't exactly a walk in the park. I don't care if it's a walk in the sewer. We are hemorrhaging money into your bank account and I expect to see results. You know, Mrs. Solis, you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. If I wanted to catch flies, all I would have to do is call up one of these girls. Trust me, the flies would follow. Snap, Gabby. Oh, so another example of Gabby being a demanding shopper, as said (laughs) at the beginning. Can't blame her. No, we can't blame her. (laughs) Uh, so, yes, we then meet Libby. Played by Nicole Hiltz. Yep, played by Nicole Hiltz. And this is apparently enough for Gabby. She's happy with the product in front of her. Now, there is a goof in this scene at 10 minutes and 25 seconds. This was the goof I noticed I told you about. Yeah, the adoption office man drops his pencil into his coffee mug. And then in the very next shot, it's on the desk. Mm-hmm. Now, I noticed this goof when I was watching it because we watch it on our own so that we uh, don't mix up our notes or feel feel the need to talk to each other about the episode because we want to save it. And unfortunately, it is also on IMDb, so I thought, damn, I thought I'd spotted something that oh, no one else had. Oh, yeah. Carlos's face when Gabby says the fly line as well. What? He's just He's just so shocked. He's just there, like, completely unaware that this sort of wording can come out of Gabby. He's, like, acting like he's got no idea that Gabby could be this insensitive. Yeah, he's always a bit surprised with Gabby, isn't he? Yeah. So, Libby is eager to get the baby gone as it's put her in debt and she hasn't been able to perform at the strip club since. And when Carlos finds out that Libby is a pole dancer slash choreographer, he seems very eager to check out her line of work. Gabby is interested to know who the father is, but Libby isn't sure as the club sees a lot of customers. Mm. Carlos instantly fancies this pregnant lady. Red flag, red flag. Complete red flag. The second he turned around and saw her when she walked in, I was like, oh, that face, red flag. So Gabby and Carlos have heard enough and are definitely interested in Libby's baby. And Libby is interested to know what she'll get out of this transaction. But Mr. Beale cannot stress enough that there'll be no baby buying of any sort. (laughs) So what Libby will do is make a list of expenses and Gabby and Carlos will cover them. Libby doesn't seem to believe Carlos when he says they can't afford presents like Harley's. But with her lunch break over, she has to go back to work. And before she leaves, she's very interested and to the um, the heritage of the Solis name and where it comes from and is surprised to find out they are Mexican. 
Yeah, hint of racism there. It is a little bit of a hint of racism. Like, oh. it's not it's not racist, but... There's a hint of it. She's like, oh, I thought it was Italian. Yeah, she's like, oh, I just assumed that you were Italian. Nope, Latino. I'm proud of it. Good for you. Yeah, that was the line. I was like, oh, mm-hmm, That's a bit of a weird line. Yeah. That would have brought up alarm bells for me right there and then. <laughs> we then cut to Gabby with Brie and Susan. And Gabby is showing Susan and Brie photos of Libby and gushing over how beautiful and athletic she is. Uh, Carl then arrives and Susan asks him to come to dinner with her and Dr. Ron so they can meet and he can see that he has nothing to worry about with the two of them. Susan tells Carl about her declaration of love to the wrong man and that she told Dr. Ron she didn't know a Mike, who finds it hilarious. <laughs> and Carl's words were the exact same as Dr. Ron's, which is... Everybody knows a mic. <laughs> so it's an ongoing theme. It is an ongoing theme. There's a huge basket of muffins on the table that Brie has obviously made as well. Oh, really? I didn't notice that. Classic so Brie. So many muffins. Oh, classic. What is her budget for baking products? I don't know. <laughs> Imagine how much of the money that Rex has left her has gone wasted to baking products. So much flour. The flour. <laughs> the flour. <laughs> the flour. <laughs> now, there's a big stigma around pole dancing. I mean, for one thing, Brie was so judgy. When Gabby was saying that she hopes that she gets the gene. Yeah. And then Brie was thinking, what, the pole dancing gene? Gosh, mm. gosh golly. There's a bit of a stigma about it, but I feel like it's much more accepted these days as an art form, as a skill. Definitely in the UK. Like, I know, I've known a few friends who have done pole. My friend does pole. Well, she used to do pole before she entered her wrist. Now she does the, like, the hoop. But she absolutely loved pole, and it's supposed to be really good for you. Well, I, it exercise. looks like it takes a lot of strength. Yeah, it's know? supposed to be really good for your core. It it gives you a really good workout. I Not just s- have a lot of respect for pole dancers, because yeah. that looks like a hard job. Yeah, I couldn't do it. And you have to look good while you do it, which is something that I couldn't do, because I am... Not graceful. <laughs> no, it's really not, guys. It's really not graceful. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, I'm not sure about what it's like in America nowadays, if it's still sort of judged and looked upon, or if it's seen as a legitimate fitness routine now and people don't judge. I hope so. Lynette loves Veronica's idea when Tom calls, and luckily Veronica's nanny is with her son for his feeding, so she goes to do that. At this, Lynette begins to notice the age of Veronica's son, and follows her to her office to check out what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I wrote, what is he, like, three? I mean, apparently he's five. We don't find out he's five until later. No. Um, but that just goes to show I'm really bad at looking at kids and guessing ages. You can't guess ages of kids. It's it's completely, like, you've got no idea. Yeah. I was going to say there's a stigma on breastfeeding a child above the above a certain age. I'm not sure if it's a stigma or if it's just frowned upon or how to word it. It's just a mm. bit... It feels unnecessary. Yeah, it does feel unnecessary. I mean, later in the episode when it's been discussed further, Veronica makes some good points about it. But I don't know personally how I feel. Don't get me wrong, I've got no problem with breastfeeding. I used to work in a coffee shop where women would do it all the time. Absolutely not a problem. But I'm not sure about breastfeeding a kid of five. No, that's a bit much. And at 15 minutes, 24 seconds, there is a massive fake bowl of cherries in the background, just as a decoration. Just this huge bowl of fake plastic cherries. It's, Ew, really? It's like, this, it's like, it goes up to here, the bowl. And this is an audio medium. And I'm doing hand gestures. Um, and it's just got all these big <laughs> yeah. fake cherries. And I thought, this is such a weird decoration. Yeah, you're like, it goes up to here. <laughs> like, most offices would have plants or benches or somewhere for you to sit this one's got a giant fake bowl of cherries what is this place this place is weird yo (laughs) but anyway brie comes upstairs to drop off some snacks to andrew and his 50 year old friend and andrew is rude but his lawyer calls him out for that and thanks brie 
She takes this opportunity to tell Mr. Bormanis that she's still disgusted that he's helping Andrew, but as a guest, he still gets snacks. Mm. Andrew begs his lawyer to get him out of there, but Mr. B doesn't think that it will be that simple as Family Court is all about presentation and appearances, and Brie knows all about that. Yeah, he says appearance is everything, much like how Brie says perception is reality. It's like a theme. Yo, that's true! Mm. I didn't make that connection. Mm. What is, why am I here? What is the point of me in this podcast? You make all, you make all the connections and, and shit like that. And I'm just here like, yeah. You're here for the fashion and calling out the men. I am here. For, you, you call out the men as well, girl. I, I call out Carlos. <laughs> Who is a man. But yeah, so, I mean, hey, Bree's still polite to Andrew's lawyer. Mostly because she knows she kind of has to be. I mean, it's just, it's a bit weird, really. What's that? The fact that he's having to have lawyer meetings in his bedroom. <laughs> well, that's because she's still his mum and she still has the right to ground him till kingdom come. I know, I know. But just the fact that you're having a lawyer meeting sat on your bed. <laughs> so we get a scene with Betty now. Hooray. It's Thank been how God. long? It's been like three episodes, I swear. Uh, Matthew comes downstairs asking his mum for 50 bucks. And when asked what for, he tells Betty that it's for Danielle's birthday next week. Well, first he says, I'm 19. Sometimes I need money. Do I have to be interrogated? Yeah. Attitude. Someone's wearing their sassy pants. Right? It's God, his sassy pants are on today. Oh, sassy on shoes, it. sassy pants. He's ready to go. Betty doesn't feel that he needs 50 quid. or oh, 50 quid. 50 bucks. Sorry, this is an American show. For that. So, Matthew gets annoyed and reminds his mother that he only asks her because she won't let him get a job. Yeah, so when I said that Matthew was being sassy, now I'm like, okay, I get why you're being sassy. You don't even get a job to make your own money. Yeah. Betty believes that taking care of Caleb is a full-time job for the both of them, and she sees improvements, but it appears as though Matthew is starting to get quite resentful of both mother and Caleb. And in the end, she gives him 20. Yeah, this scene has a lot of sass in it, especially when Betty refers to Danielle as Matthew's friend, Danielle, to uh, Caleb. Shady. Yeah, and she really emphasises the word friend. Yeah. Oh, it's for Matthew's friend. You know? Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. refusing to accept that Danielle is a girlfriend. Okay, shady lady. Even Caleb's got some sass in this scene. He comes down and he's like, you two fighting again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sass is... Uh, Perception. It's he, ripe. He, he knows more than he's letting on, oh, that yeah. Caleb. <laughs> so there appears to be some office meeting when Veronica's son walks in telling his mother he's thirsty. Seems to be an ongoing theme with this boy. She apologises and takes him away for a bit to go feed him. And at this point, everyone starts to pipe up about how weird it is that a kid of his age is still breastfeeding. However, Lynette sort of sticks up for Veronica by reminding everyone that although it is weird, the company needs her when she needs them. And they can't start telling a woman how to raise her child. They eventually break Lynette and ultimately it's decided that she be the one to tell Veronica it's a problem. Yeah, Lynette's like, guys, do what the kid's doing, suck it up. Right? <laughs> 19 minutes, 16 seconds, we have a 2000s tech throwback with those phone posters in the background. Oh my god, do we? Yeah, they look like old Nokia phones on the wall. Oh! You know, like, little screen yeah. buttons underneath. Oh god. Still no sting for 2000s tech throwback, what am I doing? We'll have to create one for season three. It's very American to be sat in an office meeting and having bagels with cream cheese, isn't it? It does seem to be. I don't think I've ever eaten during a meeting. No, me either. In my life. Mm -mm. There seems to be a very, like a hint of sexism in this meeting as well. With the guy like, I can't talk to her, I hit on her earlier. Yeah, I know. And also, the, when, I, when I was explaining the scene very briefly and I said, you know, everyone's got a problem. By everyone, I mean all the men have a problem. Lynette's the only one that sat in that office saying, hang on, I do think it's weird, but... 
It is a bit weird. It is a bit weird, but it's all the men that pipe up saying, ew, no, it's a problem, ew, breastfeeding, gross. Even Lynette's like, we'll just tell her to close the curtains on her office every time she nurses him. We'd still know what's happening, so... I'm fine with breastfeeding. Don't really care about breastfeeding. I don't know. My sister used to have an apron for when she breastfed. Ultimately, I just think, if the curtains are closed and I can't see it, then it's fine. I'm not fussed. Yeah. I wouldn't do or say anything about it, because it's like, whatever, it's your life, it's your kid. Um, yeah, so, it's all agreed at the end of this scene that Lynette be the one to talk to Veronica about how it's a problem. Yeah. Not fair. But at the same time, I kind of get what the men are saying. Like, it would be it's even worse. It's easier for a woman to talk to her about yeah, it. Yeah, it would be even worse for a man to come up and say, I've got a problem with your breastfeeding, <laughs> than it would so be for worse. a woman to come up and do it. So you can, you can smell the point. lawsuit coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we cut to Gabby getting herself some milk, which I just want to point out is an excellent cut from this scene, by the way. Yeah, I Gabby, like that. Gabby instantly, the next scene is instantly Gabby pouring herself a glass of milk. Carlos is then told that Libby... She needs some milk. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Carlos is then told that Libby does not want them as parents because they are Mexican. Confirmed racist. <laughs> However, Gabby doesn't believe that that is the real reason and decides to show Libby just how rich they are in the hopes that they will convince her. Gabby says, in this scene, Gabby says possibly one of the most ignorant lines I've ever heard her say. Which was? You don't just toss people aside because of the colour of their skin. Come on, Gabby. That happens all the time. Oh, All I've written is confirmed Libby was being racist. Lynette comes up to Veronica to have a discussion with her about her breastfeeding. She tries it in a nice way at first, you know, attempting to convince her to maybe pump so Donovan doesn't have to get the milk straight from the cow, if you know what I mean. Why wasn't she doing that anyway? I don't know. If it's all about the... However, Veronica can see through this, so Lynette just straight up tells her that the people in the office feel a bit weird about it. Veronica immediately gets defensive, listing all the bonuses of breastfeeding and stuff before criticising Lynette's children and walking away. Uh Mm Uh-oh. You brought Lynette's kids into it, she's probably gonna, like, shave your head or tow your car or something now. Maybe if you'd weaned your kids a bit later, they'd be more civilised. Yeah, it's kind of, it is kind of hard to argue Veronica in this scene about the breastfeeding, just because she says it raises IQ and we've got a little, like, moment where her kid's just drawing nicely. Yeah, probably in got, the lines as well, by the way. And then you've, you've just got the twins wrecking the place again. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like a modern day Van Gogh. Do you reckon Van Gogh was breastfed until he was five? Now, I've got some trivia on breastfeeding and burning calories since it seems to be such a heavy theme. Do you want to hear, do you want to hear it? Sure. So there was a Q&A on womenshealthmag.com. Not a proper Q&A. It was more like a person answering questions on an article. Mm. And the expert who was McBib Dyro, an MD associate professor of clinical obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. Obstetrics, I think it's pronounced. Thank you. She says, there's a strong connection between breastfeeding and weight loss. When you're pregnant, biology kicks in and helps you build up a reserve of weight that's beneficial to both you and your baby. After you've given birth, it can help you to lose it by breastfeeding, and you can burn from 300 to 500 calories a day. Part of the reasoning behind this lies in what's in the actual breast milk. It's a special mix that's composed of immunity boosters and the necessary vitamins that help a baby grow properly, says Dyro. Since your body isn't normally creating this blend, it has to work harder to produce enough to handle the constant demand. Another element is the energy you're giving to the baby via calories when you breastfeed. You're not storing as many calories for yourself because you're passing a lot of them to your child. Oh. So, yeah. You can burn 300 to 500 calories a day breastfeeding. That's crazy. Because your body's working extra hard. Yeah. That is really crazy. When she said about the weight loss during breastfeeding, I don't really know much about breastfeeding. So I was a bit curious. Yeah. 
Yes. Hey, nothing wrong with that. That's what we're here for. Yeah. To learn. We want to educate yeah. in our podcast. It's not just entertaining. <laughs> so dinner seems to be going very well with Susan, Carl and Dr. Ron. And Carl can see how lovely Dr. Ron and Susan are. So he decides to have a little fun. And he messes with the pipes under Susan's sink. And when Dr. Ron notices the leak, Carl tells him to run across the road to Delfino uh, across the street because he's a plumber. Sabotage. Susan then comes in, panics at this information. Carl plays dumb and he's like, oh my God, I had no idea. Susan, there's just so much water. And stuck in her wheelchair, Susan tries to rush after Dr. Ron stop him. But unfortunately, doesn't make it in time. Mike invites Dr. Ron in whilst he gets his tools and he tells him to just call him Mike. And at this, Dr. Ron starts to question him, who Mike eventually comes out and tells Dr. Ron that he and Susan dated. Uh-oh. This upsets him and he leaves to go back to Susan, who's across the street on the floor after falling out of her wheelchair. Dr. Ron meets Susan in the street where they argue before brushing Susan off of him and she falls onto the floor, which Mike then sees and comes to her rescue. Mike and Dr. Ron argue whilst Carl is in Susan's kitchen watching the drama unfold. And eventually Dr. Ron leaves telling Susan not to call him as Susan berates Mike for sending Dr. Ron away. Mm. And this is for Susan falling out of that chair. <laughs> Got another clumsy Susan moment. She is just hopeless in this chair. Yeah, she's... Do Americans just not have the drop curbs? <laughs> I've, I don't know. I didn't... I don't know. Because she just sort of goes down this curb, which obviously throws her off her wheelchair and onto the floor. I just loved that Cole was just watching all of the drama unfold from the kitchen window, eating his cake. He was loving it. Like, he was just there with the dessert, watching it, laughing to himself, just <laughs> what he's caused. Yeah, he's caused all this drama and he's just watching it unfold and he loves it. He loves that Ron and Mike are fighting. Yeah. Someone is wearing their shady trousers today as well. I My mean, God. I am going to say that Susan berating Mike for this comes way out of left field. You, yeah, it really like, does. It, it makes, looks like he pushed you over. It makes no sense because she's there like, and now my boyfriend is gone. <laughs> and I was like, Susan, you didn't want him as your boyfriend anyway. Yeah, you're being clumsy with your choices as well as your actions here, lady. I, you're literally moaning at Mike for getting rid of the man that you no longer want because you don't like him in the same way. But yep. you're still holding on to him, which is actually unfair on Dr. Ron. Just the, let him go. Well, the reason that she was moaning was because he attacked Dr. Ron. Well, yeah. But, but it, it, it looked like he pushed you over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it literally looked like he picked her up off the floor and just threw her down again. <laughs> that Libby is auditioning girls for the job at the club when Gabby turns up looking fabulous. Libby swears she isn't a racist, but why settle for Gabby and Carlos when she can find rich white people to look after her baby? Yeah. However, Gabby asks Libby what she wants, giving her a necklace and telling Libby that her and Carlos can expose her to a lot of nice new things. This convinces Libby to give the baby to the Solisas, but they both agree to keep this from the lawyer. But before leaving, Gabby questions Libby on whether she actually cared that they are Mexican and Libby tells Gabby that she just thought they would be more generous if they thought they weren't going to get her baby. Yeah. She's like, do I look middle class to you? (laughs) Right? I clean up pretty well for a wet back, don't I? (laughs) I don't think it should go unnoticed that Gabby was like, you're a lot smarter than you look. Or you're a lot smarter than people think. And then she's like, I'm a lot smarter than everyone thinks. Oh yeah, Libby is very cunning in this scene. And we remember that for the end of the episode because that's important, guys. Mm -hmm. Libby knows what she's doing. Yeah, not racist, just money grabbing. Conniving. Yeah. She's not racist, she's just a conniving little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) B-R-C-T-H. Brie is having dinner at a bar in the middle of a clothes shop slash shopping mall for some strange reason. It is the weirdest location for a bar. Yeah. 
Like, there's just clothes all around it. I feel like it would be if I went to a bar in the middle of H&M. I feel like it's for the men. Yeah, probably. So the women could go try and close and the men could just grab a beer. Yeah, grab a beer, eat something, you know. So she goes to leave and she sees a grounded Andrew and his boyfriend, Justin, buying clothes. Turns out Andrew stole her credit card and she reminds him that this won't look very good to a judge at court. But Andrew then threatens Brie by saying he's suddenly having memories of being sexually abused by her when he was young. Brie is naturally incredibly shocked and appalled by this threat. And even Justin isn't quite sure of what he's witnessing in the background. Hmm. Bree then returns to the bar to have another drink, but tells the barman to leave the bottle there. And next thing we know, she's waking up in a lovely green dress on the changing room floor in a closed shopping mall. But what is this? I mean, perception is reality, right? And you're just sitting there drinking wine in the middle of a shop. Right? I thought you were meant to be coming across as the sober lady who's going to AA. What if mm-hmm. someone saw you? Yeah, middle of a shopping mall. It's not exactly subtle, Bree. No, not very smart. This is devious of Andrew, though. Yeah, like, that jacket devious honestly you're meant to be representing the gays you're meant to be breeze child and you're walking around wearing that jacket i don't even remember it it was horrible it was brown it was just a brown jacket it had some logo but... ew gross but you know what young gays are like they're still finding their footing <laughs> yeah we can't all be you babe no no denim hey jackets. hey my we've already discussed this before my fa- my early gay fashion was terrible we have <laughs> it was awful my early gay fashion was just dreadful can you give us an example I've already given an example of, like, the white jacket and the yellow and the white shorts. Oh, yeah. And it was, like, all white and yellow. I even posted it on her Instagram, guys. Boyfriends of you, go look it up. <laughs> look it up, big boy. Yeah, no, it's... I kind of don't blame Brie for going back and getting the bottle again after this because that is just disgusting behaviour from Andrew. And if I was Justin, I wouldn't just stand there in the background shocked. I think that would be the last straw for me. Oh, yeah. I think I would be like, look, mate, babe, we've done enough here now let's let's just call it a day because i don't think this is going to work you made me punch you in the face and now you're accusing your mum of sexually abusing you when you were a child yeah as if the punching wasn't enough <laughs> right so mm, i don't know i don't blame brie for going back for that bowl so brie gets changed and tries to break out before getting herself stuck in between the metal shutters she calls peter to help get her out and he calls the security guard of the mall to also help get her out <laughs> Uh, Bree tells Peter everything because confessions of this episode and he then tries to get her to admit that she does have a problem by helping her realise what has just happened to her. Bree opens up about how she wished Peter could have known her back when Rex was alive and things were good for finally admitting that she doesn't like herself right now. Yeah, it's a really sad moment with Brie here, really breaking my heart seeing her this defeated. Yeah, I got a little bit emotional. Mm. Like, I could feel myself getting emotional when she was like, I wish you knew me when Rex was alive and, and everything was good. I yeah. think you really would have liked me then. And I was like, He's oh! Like, I, do, I do like you. And she's like, I don't. I think it's just a really emotional kind of... Really, it's a very beautiful scene, I think. This sort of slow realisation that she's having, that yeah. she realises she does have a problem and she can't keep denying it now. If you pause it at the right moment, you can tell when her heart breaks. <laughs> <laughs> but what the hell is this? She's just in the store at night. They've just locked up. They didn't check that the store was empty. What the hell? Yeah, do they not, like, don't they all check changing rooms and shit in America? I, I would have thought so. I've been kicked out of changing rooms when shops are trying to close. Right? And I'm sorry, but there's always a changing room attendant. Yeah. Like, in America, I don't know how you guys do it over there, but in the UK, we have this system where if we want to go and try on clothes, they give us a little plaque 
to hold and we take that into the changing room with us and then try on the clothes and then any of the clothes we don't like we give them back when we leave the changing room and give them the plaque. Although some shops aren't very strict with that. Like sometimes I would go to Matalan and there'd be no one there and I'd be like, well, I'll just walk in then. <laughs> yeah, but that's Matalan, babe. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, that's like the least bougie of the lands. <laughs> So Danielle comes home from hanging out with her friends and Caleb is inside her bedroom waiting to wish her a happy birthday and give her a present. She asks him to leave and Caleb gets a bit upset that Danielle doesn't really seem to want to wear it, she's not interested, and she slaps it out of his hand, calling him a freak and yelling at him to get out. Oh, she called him a freak. She did. Bad move. He leaves, but definitely menacingly. Definitely. He he definitely leaves menacingly. He like stares her out and walks past her. And this leaves uh, shaken Danielle alone in the house. Yeah. They don't really make any more of it during this episode, but that's all you need for the rest of the series. Pretty much. Yeah. Veronica's son comes into Lynette's office asking where his mum is, as he is thirsty. Again, I mean, yeah, your kid might have a great IQ, but he's rude as hell. Yeah, he's really, like, rude. Where's my mum? I'm thirsty. (laughs) Go draw a picture. Right? Shut up, kid. Uh, Anyway, she's on a conference call, so she's busy. Donovan then asks Lynette what she's drinking, and she tells him it's chocolate milk before getting an idea. And she gives Donovan her chocolate milk to try, and he loves it. She comes across as like a proper drug dealer though. She's like pushing him. She's like, go on, keep drinking it. She's like, all the the cool kids are trying it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this kid's really cute though. I mean, look at him rocking that denim jacket and then he gives that smile when he drinks the chocolate. He's adorable. Yeah. I'm surprised he's got to the age of five and not come across chocolate milk yet. Like, is his mum just... Does she just take him home and lock him up? I'm wondering if he drinks anything else. Mm. Other than breast milk. Yeah, it really (laughs) concerns me a little bit, actually. But later on that day, Lynette walks past Veronica's office to see her crying that Donovan has discovered chocolate milk and he no longer wants her boob milk anymore. However... Growing up wasn't the only worry that Veronica had, and now she's worried that she'll get fat again, and the thought of joining a gym seems to be horrifying. And we have a little clip. I know that we want to keep them young as long as we can, but kids grow up. I know. If that's not bad enough, now I'm going to get fat again. Huh? Breastfeeding was the only thing that kept the weight off. Every mealtime was like doing 30 minutes of cardio. Then I'm going to have to join a gym. Wow, that is really a bummer. <laughs> it really is. Hey, I'm with Veronica on this. If I was in this woman's position, I'd be breastfeeding my kids till he was like 12. If right. It, if it meant not having to go to a gym. Oh, see, see, change your tune about Veronica now, don't you? Oh, it's weird, it's weird. But the minute you, someone says, you have to join a gym. <laughs> yeah, but now I know from research that it burns three to 500 calories. <laughs> Damn, a day. So, yeah, I'm I'm with Veronica at this moment in time. I would react that way knowing I have to join the gym. <laughs> Lynette is gagged. <laughs> that is really, really a bummer. Yeah, because Lynette thought it was about, you know, letting your kids go and moving on and, you know, letting them grow up. Yeah. It's just about getting fat. <laughs> really is just about getting fat. Nobody wants to get fat. No one wants to have to go to the gym. No, no one wants to have to do that when you've literally got your own treadmill at home. Right, a sucking treadmill. Sucking on your titties. <laughs> <laughs> a treadmill that you don't even have to go on and you can just sit there and watch your stories and eat, eat, eat your... What do Americans eat? Eat your Cheetos. Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts and Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos favourite Pop-Tarts. <laughs> um, yeah, no, honestly, hey, I would kill for that. Not have not to have to go to a gym and I could just strap my kid to my boob and sit and watch Drag Race. 
Like, that dream and that just keeps me skinny <laughs> like absolute dream fantastic so yeah i don't blame veronica for reacting this way and lynette i'm sorry i'm just gonna say it this is she which part because i can think of one bit in particular it's shitty that she's giving a child something that the mother clearly does not want the child to have behind closed doors closed doors closed doors yeah it's a <laughs> yeah like, it's not your place. I understand it's uncomfortable, her breastfeeding her five-year-old child. I, I get it, but it's also not your place. Yeah. Because you don't know if this kid's got any allergies. Exactly. But it's Lynette, and she went after her kids. And to be honest, Veronica's just lucky that Lynette hasn't done something worse. <laughs> she is. She is. I'm surprised she didn't, like, push him off the roof. Yeah, Lynette is a bit of a shady lady. <laughs> yeah, she is. Mike comes to visit Susan to apologise for what happened. Mike believes he overreacted, and Susan believes she deserved the treatment that she got from Dr. Ron. Yeah. This, yeah, I mean, yeah. This piques Mike's interest a little bit, but Susan doesn't want to tell him what she said before the operation. And this is when Judy walks in with the phone. Apparently, Dr. Ron has chosen this moment right now to call Susan. Oh, Susan was literally about to tell Mike that she loves him. Yeah, I know. And now Dr. Ron, really Dr. fucking Wrong, has to call. <laughs> Dr. Wrong. More Dr. like Dr. Wrong, wrong timing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Mike asks if she wants to talk about it later, but she just says, no. She's like, what would be the point? (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. Susan's really sassy in this scene. He walks in, she's like, did you run out of people to beat up in the street so you're going house to house now? (laughs) Well, yeah, he comes in and he's like, oh, Julie let me in. And she's like, obviously, or something like that. Yeah, she's been a really sassy lady. And there's no need for it. You know that you love Mike and you've got a chance here, and you're just throwing it away so that you can keep the man that you wanted to dump in the previous episode. What are you doing, Susan? Because you're stubborn. Oh, my God. Susan's being really messy. Yeah. Well, no surprise there, really. Let's face it. Yeah. She's being clumsy. Clumsy with her life. So, this brings us to the end of the episode, and Mary Hellis talked to us about the severing of ties. And we see Veronica giving Donovan chocolate milk and crying about her apparently inevitable weight gain to come. Brie finally admitting that she has a problem and Dr. Ron telling Susan that he can't forgive her. And we end with some rando, might like to point out complete rando, come up to Libby at the club to ask how both his girls are. The baby daddy. The baby daddy. And she's like, good, we're real good. Also at the start of this um, montage of ending stuff, she says that another beautiful baby is born into the world. And all I thought was, how big is that baby? (laughs) Oh, I really didn't pay much attention to that day player baby. That poor mum, that baby was quite big. <laughs> well, they're never going to use a newborn, are they, for the recording? So that put, they probably just found the smallest toddler they could find. Mm. <laughs> and they're like, here, yeah, you push this out. <laughs> now, Libby's baby daddy either doesn't know that she's given away the baby, or they're both hustling Gabby and Carlos. It's yeah. one or the other. Well, yeah, because Libby claimed at the beginning of the episode she doesn't know who the dad is. So either way, Libby is cunning, as mentioned earlier. Yep. Cunning and conniving. We got a little bit of that, even when Gabby was just like, oh, you're a lot smarter than people to give you credit for or something. She's like, I'm a lot smarter than everybody thinks. So are they teaming up, or is, does he not know? Dun, know? dun, dun. Don't know. Don't know. Mm. And Brie, that was a lot of wine that you were giving away there. That was a lot of wine. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of wine that she's giving away to the poor or pouring away or burning. That box was huge. That was like the boxes that the eggs came in when I worked in the butchers, like this big. She was supposed to be hiding the wine. So where was she hiding all of this wine? Like there was one in the linen cupboard, like behind a box or towels or whatever, because she got that out at the end of the previous episode. But where did all these other 50 bottles just come from? If that doesn't show you that she's had a problem, that she's managed to hide all of these bottles, I don't don't know what will. But bravo to Brie. 
I say bravo an awful lot, don't I? Um, yeah, well done for Brie for finally admitting that she has a problem and taking an active step in the right direction. That's the first step. It is the first step, admitting you have a problem. Andrew. Andrew is your problem. <laughs> I have a problem. It's my son. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of the episode. That was season two, episode 17, Could I Leave You? Yeah. Good job, babe. Thank you. Excellent outlining, as always. Really? Yeah. Thank so you. let's move on to the next segment where Joel is going to give us the best and the worst outfit of the episode. So Joel, what was the best outfit of the episode? So I'm giving the best outfit of the episode to Gabby when she meets Libby in the strip club. I oh, I couldn't agree more. Like, I, I want to give it to someone else because I feel like I always give it to Gabby, but I just can't. Well, then they should try harder. They should try harder. <laughs> but Gabby looked absolutely amazing. Even the stripper that was auditioning was like, wow, that's a kicking outfit. And it, I'm was. Like, it, it was. It was a kicking outfit. <laughs> Damn straight, girl. That was a kicking outfit. Nothing else would have worked with the line, do I look middle class to you? Yeah. With that outfit. So, bravo, Gabby. Or, <laughs> see, again, I've just used the word bravo. Again, what is my problem? Bravo, bravo, <laughs> fucking bravo. <laughs> um, yeah, so well done, Gabby, for winning this award again. So, what was the worst outfit of the episode? I actually don't have one. Oh, don't have a worse outfit i didn't like when i was watching it i was trying to keep my eyes out for one but there wasn't really an outfit there that made me go that's really ugly can i nominate andrew for that hideous jacket you can nominate andrew yes i will allow that it was a horrible jacket i just didn't really see anything that made me go oh look what the hell are they wearing that everything was just average and i can't really give a worse award to an average outfit yeah well that's fair enough but um but no we will take the the academy will take your nomination into consideration yay should i play the clip the sting for it then sure play the sting for it sorry andrew so what do we say to andrew for that worst outfit oh jesus gross moving on we now go to b section for best and worst parents so who do you have for best parent this week okay so my award for Best parent of the episode. Goes to no one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't have anyone. There wasn't really any good parenting. No, there wasn't any... No. <laughs> there wasn't any parenting. Well, there was parenting, I guess, but... Sorry, Can do you have any suggestions? Um, no, not really. I can't think of anything. Well, I really, there you go. really can't think of a, a single person that showed good parenting. I mean, you've got Brie... Carry on. Well, she was, she grounded her son for his behaviour. There was punishment there. Yeah. For the baby. But that's me reaching, girls. I am, I am reaching for that. I appreciate <laughs> it. Well, there you go. No best parent for this episode. Okay. Well, congratulations, guys. Try harder. <laughs> so that was best parent. Who is your pick for worst parent? This is always the best one. Okay. So my award for worst parent of the episode. I'm going to have to give it to Veronica. Why? I mean, breastfeeding your kid until they're five is a bit weird anyway. And it, it's going to make it extremely awkward for that kid in the future. But it's more for kind of, you're only doing it because you want to use your kid rather than go on a treadmill. I kind of feel like that's mum shaming, baby. She, she She's <laughs> only breastfeeding because she doesn't want to go to the gym. And it also raises his IQ scores. The gym is just a, like an exceptional perk. Please, the IQ scores are the exceptional perk. <laughs> Okay, well, it is your choice for worst parent, so... Yeah. <laughs> so, last but not least, let's do our miniature review, which is just a quick little bit, just a quick snappy bit. Was it congenial or was it desperate, Joel? Was, oh, was this episode congenial or desperate? It was definitely congenial. I was not disappointed by this episode. We got introduced to some great characters. Peter, 
Veronica was absolutely hilarious. Libby, who's going to really bring something to the story now. Mm. Uh, so we were introduced to some excellent characters that are, we're going to see more of going forward. So I think it was a very congenial episode. Okay. How about you? I think this is a congenial episode. I think we've had a couple of congenial filler episodes as of late, but this was a congenial episode with a lot more main meat. Also, the episode was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. There were some gold moments in this episode. I feel like every single scene, I wrote down lines that I liked, and I just really restrained myself from just repeating them during this podcast. (laughs) Who wrote this episode? This episode was written by Scott Sanford Tobis. Oh, good job, Scott Sanford Tobis. (laughs) This episode was hilarious. So that was the end of Season 2, Episode 17, Could I Leave You? Please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, previously known as iTunes, and that's a 2000s tech throwback for you. Share it with your friends, share this podcast with people who like Desperate Housewives, share it with people that don't like Desperate Housewives for a gag. And Joel, where can people find us on the socials? So you can find us on Instagram at Boyfriends Review, and you can find us on Twitter at BFS Review. Our email address is boyfriendsreview at outlook.com, and all of our artwork is done by Louis, and you can find him on Instagram at docredmonkdesign. There is a link to his Etsy page as well, because he does do commissions. He does. So join us next week, where we'll be back in your ear holes with brand new content, and we'll be doing season two, episode 18, Everyone Says Don't. So we'll see you then. Do you know what? what do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to count the amount of times where don't is said in that episode. All right, we'll do a little counter. Love it. <laughs> because why not? <laughs> Bye, guys. We will see you next week. Have Bye, a good girls. Week. Bye, girls. Bye.